Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. Hello, dear listener, Neil here. A very warm welcome to Nick and Neil's History Show and our Millwall Summer Specials. The aim of Nick and myself is to build a library of 20, 25-minute shows you can dip in and out of in the car in the gym or on the train, anywhere you like, really. This is proper history, lots of unbelievable stories that we should know but don't. So here we are, rescuing these stories from obscurity and breathing new life into them. Nick and I feel that as a club, we don't make the most of our rich history, and it's a subject that is often ignored. And we hope this series will bring to life some of the events and characters of our past. It's been a real pleasure to research this series, and I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as we have enjoyed making them. Enjoy. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. So, Neil, we're going to talk about one of the um, most dangerous moments in, in, Mill, in Mill history, um, which happened quite early in our existence. We very nearly didn't exist at all. You and me would have been, um, well, you might have been an Exeter fan. I might have been a Cholton fan. I don't know what I would have been, but for this, if, moment, if things had turned out differently in 1901. Mate, uh, it's scary, isn't it? What would I have done for, for 30, 40 years in London? What lives would we have had but for this? We speak, listeners, of the near disbandment of Millwall Athletic. Um, in the year 1901, and the circumstances which we've we've mentioned before in previous shows, but they're worth they're worth repeating here, Neil. Um, Mill Athletic, Mill, Mill Rovers, Mill Athletic were the product of the docks, the Isle of Dogs, the uh, the West India docks, the, uh, the the Millwall docks, and very much it reflected the area, and, and pretty much that was almost the, the reason how we came to. Um, you know, disband, wasn't it? The docks. Yeah, it was. Uh, the Millwall Dock Company, I think, owned our ground, which is the athletic ground at the time. Yeah. Which, which for those people who are familiar with the Isle of Dogs, is actually Asda now, isn't it? Mm. Cross where, Harbour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's where Asda is at Cross Harbour. So if you're ever there and you're doing your shopping, uh, pay homage that that was actually the athletic ground. 
that was our home, and uh, but they wanted it to turn it into a timber yard. Our lease was up. They decided yeah. that they needed they needed it to expand the docks because there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of traffic coming into the docks then, and uh, they wanted to kick out Millwall. Uh, so how close we came to actually disbanding, I guess we'll never really know. But allegedly, we'd actually. Uh, resigned from the Southern League. Yeah. Uh, and this was the end of Millwall Football Club. Uh, there were reports that players had been released and we were told we weren't, or well, we were told players that we weren't going to keep them on for the following season. And uh, it was very, very dark days. It was probably as close as the club has ever come to actually to actually not being in existence anymore. Absolutely. I mean, you've you've found um, a London Evening Standard report, listeners, dated 26th of April, uh, 1901. Um, in fact, prior to that, The Athletic, uh, uh, which was a, a sports newspaper, um, mentions um, the, you know, the mill docks requirement of a tim. This was, the Athletic ground was quite a large area of ground, Neil, wasn't it? It was a big oval uh, running track, football pitch running track and and stands around the grandstands around the, um, you know, the kind of uh, the, the running area. So it's actually quite a large area of land. It was needed for timber, as, as, as you said. I think the threat of disbandment was very real. I mean, the Evening Standard that I was just mentioning um, mentions the approaching disbandment of the Millwall Club is a blow to football in East London. The Dockers were very popular a few seasons back and few would have thought that um, popular support would fail them. Their ground is no longer available and another suitable enclosure cannot be found. So it was desperate stuff, actually. Yeah, and I think it was, yeah, it's a built-up area now, isn't it? And uh, Very much so. Yeah, they couldn't find the ground uh, anywhere for us to play. There was no; it was factories, docks, and all kinds of stuff over there, wasn't it? Slums and well, yeah. Uh, I mean, a look at the map show. I mean, it's that great loop in the river for any of our overseas listeners that may be listening to this. But the if you look at the map of London, the, the River Thames takes a very um, strange loop, um, famously shown on the front the beginning of EastEnders each week. Um, but what that means is it's a very limited area for space, and it was the you know the heart of the London docks, which back then was a thriving um, industry in need of ever more space. And, and unfortunately, the, the the athletic ground fell foul of that. And there was a an emergency meeting held. Actually, wasn't there? I'm just reading the. Um, Poplar Town Hall, Neil, in, in May, um, like a like a, an emergency committee was set up to try and save Millwall. Yeah, and and well, obviously, well, it attracted MPs. There were councillors there. There were yeah. members of the Southern League there. There was even Tottenham's chairman there who paraded the FA Cup. Good God Almighty! Can you, can, you imagine, can you imagine Daniel Levy winning the FA Cup and then bringing it down to Millwall? Down to Millwall. Bloody faces because 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 some misfortunes beset John Berylson and, and and the club's about to close. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, it's worth just looking at a few dates because I mean, the club obviously had been founded in 1885. So what's that? That's 20, 26 years before these events that we're 
we're talking about. But that's it was quite a dramatic 26 years in the sense that um, we very rapidly became one of the big names of Southern football, Neil. Um, champions of the Southern League, I think, twice in the mid-1890s. So just, again, five years before this, this threat to our existence. It's a bit like Liverpool suddenly finding that Anfield's been bought by the uh, the Liverpool Docks and they 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 can't there's nowhere for them to play anymore, so they're gonna have to close it. It's you know, I know it's a it's a strange analogy given the, the difference in modern football, but it's 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 that kind of idea that a major football name was just gonna disappear overnight. Um hence yeah, we, were the... we were a huge name. We were probably there was probably us and, and Woolwich Arsenal, the Arsenal. Uh we were probably two the two biggest clubs in London at the time, in probably even yeah. in the South, although Tottenham might dispute that. They were yeah, they were, well, they were a rising side. But I mean the, the 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 evening standard report mentions the battles between uh Mill and the Arsenal from Woolwich. And these were this was seen as one of London's big big rivalries. Um but the club it very was, much it really um, was the big rivalry in London. Yeah, West Ham were nothing. I think there's a report they were hoping that West Ham might have the ability to take up our mantle to to carry on on what we had done. And there was scepticism that they could actually do it. So that just shows, I think, how close the club actually came to, to being no more. And this public meeting at Popular Town Hall was very much to to try and garner some support for us to get some ideas and to, and to get some money in the bank and just... Yeah, muster some support. I mean, Poplar Town Hall is still there. I'm sure that it's... I've, I've driven past it on the way on the... Um, as you come along the road towards where Rover Hive Tunnel is, and I think that the building is still there. Um, it may have been a library or maybe used for, you know, weddings and, and, and like since, but at this at this point it was... A functioning town hall for the district of Poplar. Um, some names here. I mean, I think sometimes what well, I think one of the, the reasons I really like doing these shows, Neil, is that there's a lot of men, men, mostly men, but a lot of names from the past who've played massive parts in the uh, continuation and creation of our club that we now love, and that you know, hopefully, the children will continue to support on into the future. We hope. And but for these these people, um, that wouldn't exist. And this very much is reflected in this meeting. So we've got names like uh, the mayor of Poplar, um, probably an unknown name now, but we're going to say his name because that's the purpose of the show. It's Richard Henry Green, mayor of Poplar, all you know, arranged for this meeting to take place. There was a, a very large audience in in the room. Sydney Buxton, MP for Poplar, um, a liberal. Um, but also another for the chap here, a conservative, uh, Tommy Dewar, MP, um, a, a football fan. You know, it's it's just always interesting when you look back and see who played a big part and how little known their names are now. It seems there's a sadness tinged with a pride mixed mixed together in this in these shows. I find. Yeah, the Dewar Shield was actually. Uh, the forerunner of the modern day charity shield. It was the best amateur team in England, played the best professional team. Right. Um, uh, the Dewar Cup in America, I think, yeah. was played many years. I think it was the college final or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, so well, these were people that that 
this was an outlet. This was entertainment. Don't forget, back then, you had very, very little entertainment. In fact, probably no entertainment at all. There was, was the, the pub, music. the pub, the music hall, or the football, wasn't it? You know that 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 was to be uh, the, 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 the 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 kind of triangle where people spent their lives. Also, some reps from the London County Council, which was a prelim of the what they call it now, the GLA, GLA GLC, GLA. Uh, as well as reps from the Southern League and Matt Whitaker from the Southern League and uh, Roberts and Decock from Tottenham. One thing that often leaps out at me, Neil, and this is a side point, I know we're trying to avoid side points in these shows, but is how much support other clubs will give each other back then, and even during the Second World War with ground sharing and, and, um, and support in this case here from Tottenham. You've mentioned the FA Cup being paraded at this meeting. It's It's quite quite remarkable you can't imagine it on the same scale now can you you know your point about levy you just can't picture that that happening now no no i think it's right Fairly. i think we're tribal aren't we now and and to be honest if would anybody be disappointed to see Millwall disappear now you've got to ask yourself i know everyone wants it to be like us it's uh, a different show neil <laughs> i think you're right but i think buxton hit it on the head when he said it would be a calamity to allow Millwall to collapse. Yeah. And even in the event of the directors obtaining a new site for a limited number of years, it pledges itself to do everything within its power to provide the necessary funds, I think, for, for, for the layout of the new ground. He didn't blame the Millwall dot company. Who, uh, who, yeah, well, I think would disappear just just before we uh, we moved south of the river. Uh, There's an were, ironic twist of fate. Yeah, they were swallowed up, I think, by the Port of London. I think the Port of London. Yeah, that would be uh, yeah the, the kind of successor to the the private yeah. companies almost. Um, I mean, the purpose of the meeting was a to find land. And secondly, to muster money to buy that land. And lo and behold, Lady Margaret Charteris did have some ground, which would um, be available for us at the right price. And that price, it seems, was £1,200, a substantial sum of money back then, Neil, 1200 quid. It couldn't, you, you know, very few could have rustled that up very quickly. Um, it seems we had 250 already donated, but an appeal was made to the public to get the money together to buy the new land that will become known as, as North Greenwich. Um, now now Millwall Park, of course, down by Mudshoot Station, just a couple of stops along on the Duckland Railway. Yeah, I think they were trying to sell 750 shares at a pound each, so yeah, it was yeah. a considerable amount of money. But, uh, but, but I think they find that the problem was was actually uh, getting people to pledge and then paying up. Well, <laughs> we've said it before. We're going to say it again. Everything changes, yet nothing changes. <laughs> exactly, and I think as you probably will find with the well with the Lions Trust, getting people. To to say, oh yeah, no, I support that, and then paying their pound or two membership. Yeah, it's a different matter, maybe. We'll come, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Yeah, um, but I do, I do love this quote you found here because again, it's the eternal. You know, I feel sometimes it, history is actually like an eternal loop, listeners, and we go round and round the same things. 
but in the we just mentioned the um the problem of getting people to pay a pound for 750 shares mind you a pound then would have been worth more money but anyway um i don't know who this quotes from i think it might be from um uh from one of the millwall uh, representatives it says our trouble neil is that the local crowd is not a large one There's nothing changes there I think if people give us sixpence a week, then we could always rely upon a gate to meet the expenses of a good team. The average gate fetches £60, six uh, but we need a steady, reliable income of £100 a week. Um, then we could best calculate how to spend it. Um, so this is one, one of the points made in the meeting that the club is saying they need more money. Um, but as someone, some wag in the audience replies that um, we hadn't done badly on their £60 gates. Uh, we had a good team to date, but as ever, so uh, the club wanted more money and they weren't getting it. Yeah, that's right. I think, yeah, well, I think that came from Beveridge, the Millwall secretary at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new there then, is it? Eggs, <laughs> uh, the chairman, who, who interesting, he was an interesting character. I think he was a, I think he was a career uh, civil servant and uh, wanted to actually, ironically, when Millwall departed North Greenwich, wanted to try and keep us north of the river. Right. But but Tom Thorne, the driving force, and name we've mentioned a lot of times, uh, wanted to move us south of the river. And ultimately, yeah. he won the yeah. So it's a recurring theme. It's a never-ending. It's, it's like a vicious circle, isn't it, really? But it must be said that Millwall was actually the only form of recreation for those people living on the Isle of Dogs at the time. And so, we, we've got to say, although it was, you know, the, the docks were the foundation of the national um, London's wealth, national wealth, very little of that money went to the local people. To, to be a docker was a very shiftless um, existence. You know, you, you there was no um, security or provision for, you know, pensions or anything of that kind. It was it was not an easy way to make a life. And this was one of the London's poorest districts, which, I mean, all of these factors, the lack of numbers, the, uh, the, the constant need for bigger crowds that weren't there on the island, they led eventually to the move southwards um to to cold glow lane but we'll save that perhaps for another another show because i think that's quite an interesting subject in its own right the move to to cold glow lane um but to conclude this particular period we we would survive and as as as, as we all know we wouldn't have a club now but we did survive it um, land was found from lady charteris um waste ground i think um, not an easy ground to um to bring together now from what i've read the, the North Greenwich pitch was a very muddy and difficult surface to maintain for the groundsman, the famous man um, I mentioned the other day, actually, on, on Twitter. Elijah Moore would actually lay out the uh, the pitch in what is now um, Millwall Park. Um, but then was I think it was just more waste ground than, than anything else and not, not an easy surface to get to, to play football on. Yeah, no, I think it was... I think a lot of the ground around there was quite marshy, wasn't it? And marshy and muddy yeah yeah and very difficult so yeah but it was industrial land it wasn't yeah but it wasn't the green green grass at home was it this was a closely packed manufacturing neighborhood wasn't it um yeah the the lcc didn't have any ground and the charteris family owned a lot of property and ground on the isle of dogs 
daughter oh. of the second Earl of Glengall. There's a Glengall yeah. road in, in the history, of course. Uh, yeah, there was Glengall Board School as well, which, uh, yeah. which was a school in the district, and a lot of our players went there. I think the Voises went there. But it was a worrying time. But she had us by the short and curlies, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Charitable. This wasn't a charitable thing. It wasn't. Oh well, we'll give the little people a little bit of recreation. We'll give them. Yeah, we'll give them their football club. This was a money-making venture. We had to pay. absolutely. It was absolutely twelve hundred pounds. No, um, no, no small sum. Um, miraculously, really, Neil. I think, given everything we've said, miraculously, um, the twenty-second of May, uh, Jay Beveridge, man we've referred to already, Mill Secretary, told the London League that the club had completed all the arrangements for continuing as an active football club and they had fixed up a seven-year lease. So this was just for a seven-year lease on Lady Charteris's ground. Um, and as, as he describes it here, the, um, uh, the, the, the new enclosure not far from the old ground. Um, and it, the work would begin to get it ready for the new season, which uh, will be from late August, September onwards. I think you're right. I mean, obviously it was a, it was a, a commercial transaction, although Lady Charteris did um, donate land to a local church and the library I see in Cubit Town and um, laid out the island gardens uh, and so on and so forth. But this was this wasn't a chat. This was a deal. This was a you know art of a deal, uh, whichever way you want to call it. So Nick, I think twelve hundred pound in nineteen oh one was worth one hundred and fifty seven thousand pounds in today's terms. Yeah, and I think I mean obviously that modern modern property values are through the roof. So you know you can say well that's that, but this this was a a um, a poverty struck area, Neil. Um, a club not 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 sloshing around with with cash, and clearly not backed by backed to some extent by big names, but not uh, not so much that they muster up that kind of money as as, an, as a charitable act. So. I think it's another point I think I just wanted to make that Mill saved itself. Yes, it did, but it saved itself through the efforts of its fans and and those that were willing to stand up and pull it together. I think there's a lesson in in uh, in life and history there. Um, no one's ever come in really from the outside and uh, done us many favours. It's only what we've achieved ourselves that's led to the continuation of the football club. Um, the other thing that just strikes me is that's a seven-year lease, which is 1901. Um, that would have been a clock ticking on the club's existence on the island, wouldn't it? Um, we would eventually move in 1910. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, well, I know we say it quite a lot, but there is direct correlation, isn't there? Again, between between then and the modern day and the, and the battle for the den that, yeah, but that you were part of and... A few yeah, years, a, we we a couple of years ago with the property developers coming in and uh, and and trying to force us out, and so yeah, but it's almost like every part of Millwall history is moved to modern day. It, it's, it, we're doomed. We're doomed to repeat an endless cycle unless we can break it, listeners. But there we are. Um, it's a fascinating period. It's a fascinating story. With a happy ending, thankfully, it was very nearly not a happy ending, and I don't know. Maybe there would have been more um, sympathy at a certain level for us back then than we might. Well, we, we did get quite a lot of sympathy, Neil. A surprising amount 
of support came our way in in you know in 2017 when we we're fighting Lewisham Council, as we found in 1901. I think more people like us, and we like to give ourselves credit for sometimes. I think we we all um, you know enjoy the no one likes us reputation, but I think there's more more support for us out there than we sometimes like to think. Um, but yeah, we. There was a happy ending, Neil, 1901, and that's down to the efforts of the people we've mentioned. So I think we should take our, this chance to take our hats off to the men who saved Millwall Athletic in 1901. It's Nick and Neil's Summer Millwall History Show. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.